week and my family was standing all parked right here in front of me and we were able to hear and uh, now that we've all gotten to know each other a little bit I have a confession to make and uh, just something that uh, it never really came up in the interview process it's something that I think you should uh, know about me they the uh, the elders have never asked me about it so I never offered it up but uh, uh, I'm here now and uh, uh, Jerry already came by and gave me a paycheck so that's done so uh, something I think you should know about me and, uh, and that is this, I, I am not perfect. Now I know that comes as a big surprise to my wife, but uh, the reality is, is that I am not perfect. I know that you are not perfect. Uh, I am on a journey and uh, you are on a journey. And the title of the sermon today is Be Better. And uh, that's, that's our hope is that we can be better, be better in Christ. That's our hope, that we want to be better in Christ. In fact, Scripture tells us how we can be better. Scripture tells us how we can be better, and I hope that you want to uh, be better. Here's what the Scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 says this. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good start right there. The beginning of wisdom is this. And so I hope you perk up and you go, okay, what is the beginning of wisdom? And uh, it's pretty obvious. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Well, that's helpful, right? The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Be better. Be better. That's the goal, to get wisdom and understanding. You know what's great about that verse? As there's no prerequisites there. It doesn't say you, uh, in order to get wisdom, first you need to graduate from high school. And then, uh, then you can start on the journey of getting wisdom by going to college. And once you graduate from college, then start your master's degree. But really, wisdom does not start until you enter into your doctoral program. That's not what it says. It says the beginning of wisdom. Go get it. Go after it. There's no prerequisite there on, uh, on age. It doesn't say, well, you have to be 18 before you can get wisdom. No, wait, no, 21, no 25 years old, that's when you start. And there's, no, there's nothing there. It just says go get wisdom. No family, no family legacy there. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, you're familiar with the family and, and uh, mom was a, a lawyer and dad was a doctor. And so it just kind of seems like uh, their kids are going to grow up to be doctors and lawyers. And maybe that's not the home you grew up in. Maybe your home was a simpler home. And, and you know what? The Bible says it doesn't matter. Go get wisdom. It says uh, the beginning of, of wisdom is this. Go get wisdom. Go get it. Go after it. Go after wisdom. Well, where does wisdom come from? Where do we get this wisdom? Well, fortunately for us, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So the Bible says, if you want more wisdom, seek Jesus. Go after God. Learn from him. Get closer to him. That's where wisdom is going to come from when we pursue a Jesus. So, so what I hear you say and see is, is you're not perfect and you're on a journey and you want to be better. And so what I should do is gain wisdom. The way I gain wisdom is getting closer to Jesus. Oh, good. Well, that sounds easy, right? I noticed something. You don't want to call you out, but I think you were sitting in the same place last week. Um, uh, Mike and Becky over here, I think you guys were sitting in the same place. Oh, one style, or you guys moved. That's right, 10 feet. Good for you guys. And uh, here's here's something. This is what I'd like you to try for me. So I did this, I think, with some of you guys before. 
Now try this one out. If everybody just kind of reach your hands out in front of you, kind of park your Bible, your phone there in front of you. Everybody stick your hands out in front of you. Stick your hands out in front of you. Now what I'd like you to do is slap your hands together and clasp them just like that. Clasp them just like that, okay? Now hold on to those. Now, how many of you out there, your left thumb is on top? Left thumb on top, okay. How many of you, your your right, your right thumb is on top? Okay, left hand people, show me left hand thumb, left thumb, left thumb on top. Okay, hands down, right hand, right thumb on top, right thumb people. Okay, now what I'd like you to do is I would like you to, uh, I'm gonna go one, two, three, I want you to slap your hands together again, but this time I want you to put the other thumb on top. Ready, one, two, three, go. Now, feel that. Do you, are you looking at yourself going, whose hands are these, right? This just feels strange. It feels different. This is not normal. It, this, you know what that means? Change is hard. Change is weird. Change is uncomfortable. We don't like change. So you're saying, Steve, you're not perfect, but we're on a journey to get better. But as the Bible says, just go after wisdom and, and go get it and pursue uh, Jesus. How do you, it's going to require the most difficult thing that can come from you. It's going to require that you make some change. You're going to have to make some change. Here's some facts. We have had a lot of change lately. We've had to move to wearing a mask and social distancing and shelter in place. And some of those are phrases that uh, you go back six months and if somebody would have said shelter in place, they shelter home. You know, social distance, who, what, what does that all mean? And all of a sudden we got a, a whole new vocabulary that has entered into our culture. As stores are closed, then they're half open at 50%, and now they're moving towards being open all the way. And change is weird, and change is and hard. And, and here at the church, we went from having church to no church. And then we went to uh, uh, to uh, online church. We had to figure that one out. And now, now we're doing parking lot church. And next week we're, we're going to do indoor social distance church and what's that and and change all of these changes are just all around us and happening and coming towards us and they're coming at us and listen to this change is frustrating it's difficult it's challenging it's inconvenient it's upsetting sometimes it even seems nonsensical but we are living in a world of change and i'm not perfect and i want to get better and I need to seek wisdom and I need to be closer to Jesus. Let me ask you this. How are you doing spiritually? Have you made any changes in your spiritual life lately? Have you set out to chart a different course for yourself spiritually in the midst of all the change? The scripture is filled with people that made changes spiritually as a result of kind of a heavy hand coming their way. They weren't really wanting to make the change. They weren't really willing to make the change. But uh, I was at the uh, Bible study at Jane's house on Wednesday night, and, and uh, Wayne and Kathy were there, and Jane was there. It was at her house, and, and Sandy was there, and 
And uh, uh, my wife and I are there, Gabe and Theresa were there, and we were sitting around going, we're going through the book of Acts, going through the book of Acts. And if you've read through the book of Acts before, you know the story of, uh, here's a guy named Saul, right? And, and one day he's, he's, he thinks he's doing the right thing spiritually. He wants to be a good Jew, and he's traveling down the road, and all he wants to do is be a good Jew. But uh, as he's on his way to Damascus, you remember what takes place? Uh, uh, God shows up and, and blinds him. Jesus is there. He says, you know, why are you persecuting me? And, and all of a sudden, he is faced with, I have to make a change. And he goes down to Straight Street, and he gets straightened out, and he learns, oh, I'm supposed to do things. But would he have changed if he was not directly dealt with the hand of God there? And then what does Paul do the rest of his ministry? We read through uh, chapter 24 and 25 there in Acts, and, and Saul was going from place to place, and all he was doing is going to these Jews. These Jews are kind of like this. They're telling me how to change. You don't understand. I've been doing this my whole life. This is my history. This is my ancestry. This is who I am. This is my heritage. I've been going to this church my whole life, and you're telling me I need to make change. And Paul was going from place to place. They didn't want to hear it. In fact, it was upsetting to them. They didn't like it. They didn't like hearing that they needed to make a change. They didn't want to hear it. In fact, they didn't want to hear it so much, they got mad at their preacher. They got mad at the preacher, and they decided, you know, it's a good idea. So let's arrest him, and let's, let's have him thrown in jail. We'll have him beaten, and then we'll guess, here's a good idea. Uh, let's put him on trial. And so he goes from trial to trial to trial. Some of the people there that were uh, involved with the trials, it says they were almost persuaded. Yeah, maybe we should make a change, but we're not really ready to make a change. Maybe we should, but not yet. We're not yet convinced. And so here's what I'm telling you. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We want to be better. And scripture says, go get wisdom by being closer to Jesus. And so that means we might have to make some changes, but changes are really, really hard. There's, there's a guy named Nick uh, Machiavelli. He said this. Listen to this. Pay attention. Pay attention. There is nothing more difficult to take in hand more perilous to conduct are more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the introduction of a new order of things. And that's true. I'm going to read that to you one more time. <clears throat> there is nothing more difficult to take in hand, more perilous to conduct, or more uncertain in its success than to take the lead in the introduction of the new order of things. What's that mean? That means change is hard. Change is hard. I don't know who wrote this, but I found it. And, uh, I'm going to read it to you. It says this. I was a revolutionary when I was a young man, and all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. As I approached middle age, and realized that my life was half gone and without my changing a single soul, I changed my prayer. Lord, give me the grace to change all those who come into contact with me, just my family and my friends, and I shall be satisfied. I was unsafe. Now that I am old and my days are numbered, I have begun to see how foolish I have been. My prayer is now, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. Why is it so hard to change? In the midst of all the change, why is it so hard to change spiritually? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, 
do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new has come and the old has gone. Why is it so hard to change? That's a good question. Maybe here's why. If you got your bullets in there, there's kind of an outline that Laura put in there and and kind of fill in the blanks and follow along and you can see that we're getting closer to the end and and so some of you guys are already to get out of the sun and and so here we go listen to this it says this why do people resist change why people resist change why is it so hard to change here's why reason number one your routine is disrupted how many of you are ready for your old routines back ready are you ready to get who wants normal? Everybody loves normal. I'm ready to get back to normal, whatever that might mean. But routines are disrupted. And when they are disrupted, it makes us uncomfortable and we're not really willing to make changes. Listen to this. Change threatens our habit patterns. It forces us to think and to reevaluate and sometimes to unlearn past behaviors. And our church has had to make a lot of changes as well. For us, our church routines are all gone, and that's why you're sitting in a parking lot this morning. Question. Would you do well to change some of your spiritual routines? What are... <coughs> that was a bug. change some of your spiritual routines what are your spiritual routines do you have any spiritual routines are you regularly in the word do you have a devotional time in the midst of all of this change have you made some changes would you find time last week i invited you to come on on monday the following monday last monday to a part of the prayer drive. Lord's put, it's, it's beautiful. It's put together and it's well organized and, and you can go and, and, and Don and Donna came and they were here at 10 o'clock and would you be willing to go and do something like that to make a change in your routine to grow spiritually? To pray for the people that are around our community. Would you be willing to do that? To make that kind of change? Why are, why are we resist change? Here's another reason. Change creates fear of the unknown. We don't like that. That means traveling in uncharted waters and maybe even in rapids. Difficult change. We don't, we don't really like to change. Our church is going to go through more change. Next week you're going to come here and, and uh, there's been a lot of changes made already. We're uh, trying to create space so that we can do social distancing and and uh, we're going to move uh, people around a little bit. And uh, we, we've put up a camera. And this week we're going to run some wires down to the, uh, we got a big screen down in the gym. And we're going to uh, just invite people to, if you want to come and, and bring your family or your little ones, there's not going to be any youth church or children's programming. But we're going to do kind of family friendly uh, video format down there. Got a big screen set up and some things that we're going to have some coloring books and things like that down there. And, and then in the sanctuary, we'll do social distancing and we're going to have 
three different communion stations set up and have people kind of spread out when it comes to communion time and that's all going to be different and it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be a little bit weird and and uh, we're going to we're going to do church that way but but we're trying to move forward in a way that we can uh, bring glory to god and still assemble together and and maybe next week it's going to rain a little bit and so maybe that'll be good for us to be in that place that change is is hard and Sometimes there's things that are going to take place and it's unknown. Here, listen to this one. The unknown, the unknown, the unknown. I met Dawn this morning and Dawn was a missionary in Africa and I just met Dawn. Um, sometimes we're scared to pray big prayers. We're scared to make spiritual change. We're scared to pray. God, make me putty in your hands. Put me in the place that you want me to be. We're scared to pray that because we think that uh, next week our house is going to be for sale and be selling everything that we have. And we're too going to have to move to Africa. And that's scary and we don't want to do that. But here's what Jeremiah chapter 29 says. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That doesn't sound like God has a plan to wreck your life. That sounds like God has a plan that when we surrender our life to him, our life will ultimately be better because we've given our life to Jesus. Change can be hard. Change creates fear of the unknown. Finally, number three, a change creates feelings of loss. And normal is gone, and you don't get your way when all of these changes come our way. We, our way just kind of goes out the window. And next week, I, I pointed out at the beginning here that we are creatures of habit, and we like to return to the same seat week after week after week. And I know when you guys go in there, and next week you're going to be looking to sit where you always sit, but maybe somebody's already sitting there and realizing that I'm not going to be able to sit in that place because if I sit there, I'm going to have to sit on their lap, and sitting on their lap is not proper social distancing, and you're going to have to find some other place that's going to make you uncomfortable, and change is hard. But I'm not perfect and you're not perfect and we're on a journey and the Bible says we are to seek wisdom and that we're to go close to Jesus. But change is hard and, and we have to do it. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to make changes. Why am I talking about making all these changes? Here's why. Here's the reality. You and I have had to make changes. It has been forced on us in the last three or four months. It has been forced on us in the last three or four months. If you think that you are all alone in having changes forced on you in the last three or four months, raise your hand. If you are all alone in having change forced on you in the last three or four months, guess what? Here we sit in church. It's good to know that only good church people have had to make changes that are uncomfortable in life, right? Think about this. Think about this. Do you like change? Nobody likes change. It's weird and uncomfortable. But here's what we know. Everyone we know is in a place of having to make change. 
Here's what that means for us. This is a fantastic opportunity for us. This is a tremendous opportunity for us. Everyone is uncomfortable. Everybody thinks it's weird. Everybody's trying to figure it out. And here's what we know. People that are outside of faith with Jesus Christ, they too are in an awkward, uncomfortable, difficult place. And how many of us, when we are in an awkward, uncomfortable, difficult place, begin to ask questions about what is the meaning of all of this, and why are we here, and what is next, and what is going on, and we are more open to the idea and the possibility of different things than maybe we have ever been before, just like the Apostle Paul when he was going from community to community to community and finding people and saying there's a different way, there is a better way, and when we go to Jesus, we can have more wisdom and understanding and find a peace and a calm that comes into our life like never before. That is an opportunity that is before us, church. Everybody we know is wondering what's going on. And we can be a people to go to them and say, you know what the Bible says? Go to God. Seek wisdom there. He's got it. And maybe we'll never know what's going on on this earth, but we're not here for this earth. We're here for the next one. Here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. Write this down. In conclusion, write this down. Be a good listener. Write that down. Be a good listener. Allow the speaker to finish without interrupting. I moved into my neighborhood and uh, I'm meeting a lot of people. People across the street. Uh, yesterday I met Dave and Karen. And, and uh, when I first moved in, I met Bob and Diane. When next, next door is Jason, Julie, and met a lady named Emily that was walking through the neighborhood. And uh, you know what? People want to talk. People want to talk. I want to trim my hedges. I'm out there trying to make my yard presentable to the neighborhood so that I don't look like that guy. And I'm out there trying to trim. And they're walking by. And I go out to the sidewalk and I introduce myself. And they, and they, they don't care if I get my hedges trimmed. They want to talk. And they want. And so we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And people are ready to talk. They're ready to now, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I've been surprised that the number of my neighbors have just said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. They reach their hand out there and they're willing to talk. People are willing to talk and we have to be willing to listen. So write that down. Allow the speaker to finish. Allow them, allow them to talk. That person that you might encounter or meet or that might be wondering what's going on in the world. Write this one down. Number two, repeat what was just said. Oh, that's interesting. So your oldest child's name is Joe, and uh, he's going to uh, that evil, 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 Iowa, that, that evil, evil, Iowa, uh, where the Hawkeyes are? Yuck. How could, why isn't he transferred to Iowa State where Jesus went to school? I, I, you know, and so you can have those conversations, but you got to learn with it. So avoid getting upset because they might tell you something like they're a Hawkeye fan. you got to avoid getting upset. Stay focused. Don't drift. Stay focused. Don't drift. Write this down. Show that you're interested. Communicate with your body language. Communicate with people. Get to know people. In conclusion, here we go. Quote, here we go. I'm not perfect. God's gift to me is my potential. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. God's gift to me is my potential. My gift to God is what I do with my potential. God has helped me. He wants me to help others. 
you feel like this is a kooky time and there's a lot of change going on, take advantage of it. Find people, be their friend, be comfortable, be called, find an opportunity to share Jesus. Find an opportunity to share Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, the best decision you can make is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you know who Jesus is, You've been given the Great Commission. You've been given the Great Commission to go out and make disciples, to bring them to church, to help them to be introduced to Jesus, to baptize them into Jesus Christ so that they too can know that this life is temporary and there is an eternal life where all of the turbulence of this world goes away. I don't know what Jesus is laying on your heart. I don't know what the problem of the Holy Spirit is Savior Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.